0: effective prayer of the righteous avails much. We pray that lift up the nation, lift up the leaders, help them. Pray for all the people in this nation now who are in fear and who are searching, searching for something real. I pray that you send laborers across their path. I pray that you give the church the words to speak. Let there be signs, wonders, and miracles. Let there be gifts of the Spirit in operation. Help your people. I know you are so eager to help your people. Help them be of a serious mind. Help them take joy in your presence. Take joy in doing the work. Praise God. Thank you, Becky. That was awesome. Um, We've been talking about the anointing, and this is part two of last week's messages, the anointing in you, and, you know, um, something that occurred to me while we were Following the leading of the Holy Spirit, just here is if it's it's required if you are going to operate in the anointing. God has put on your life that you have to be willing to yield to the Holy Spirit, and that sometimes that you know this is a perfect example of where we're up here and we have a we have a we have a schedule plan where okay we do this we do that we do this we do that. But one of the things to yielding to the Holy Spirit is is to be willing to. Part ways with the plan. You know, I uh, was, you know, was listening to one of the ministers at Raymond when I was there, and he was talking about how uh, he, he, one of the other, one of the other guys had come up to him, and he said, "He said, you know, uh, he, <laughs> I mean, he started the story off by talking about how he and some of the other ministers used to go out play racquetball together, and their wives made them stop because they were getting hurt, but." before they stopped he was he, he was laying on the ground just tuckered out after one of their one of their matches and the guy the guy that beat him stand over him and he says you know something that you said to the staff the other day hit me upside the head and he said really what what's, what's up he says well he said you were talking about being sensitive to the holy spirit not just when you're in church he said and it, it struck me you know he cuz he he said i as you know i used to he used to smuggle bibles into russia this before the iron curtain fell and uh, you know, he said, well, how'd you do that? You can't do that now. But he said, what I would, he said, you know what I would do is I would, I, would take, I would wear really baggy pants and I would get on the airplane, he said, and, and uh, I, I, I had women's nylons on underneath these baggy pants. He said, well, and I checked my bag full of Bibles and when I got to Russia, I'd go into the bathroom and sort you can't do this now because their security is so tight nowadays. He said, but he would stuff these women's pantyhose to the brim with the Bibles. That's how he got through security. But as he was going around the, t- the city, he would pray and ask God, who is, the, who is the person who is supposed to receive this Bible? Who, who is supposed to receive this Bible? And he would give it to certain people, people he felt led, and he'd pray and pray with them and talk to them and, you know, just whatever, whatever God told him to do. Well, he said, now, uh, he said, and, and after everything was said and done, he said, I felt genuinely in my heart that I had handed out the Bibles, all the Bibles, to those who needed them. He's like, but then, without realizing it, I would switch that off when I got back on the plane and came back over to the United States, he said, and, "And I, and I wasn't necessarily thinking along that same line. That who do you want me to talk to here, Lord? And we don't mean to do that, but we do. You know, he's like you notice a lot of people. We come into church and we 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 have that switched on, and we're listening to the Holy Spirit to see what He wants to say. And He will minister in a church, but when we are at and about, we tend to switch that off, and we're not thinking along that line. And He said, and, and when you said that." He said, it hit me upside the head. He said, so So uh, I, I was thinking about that the next day, and I went, uh, he said, I was out having breakfast at a diner. He said, and I'm asking God, okay, Lord, who 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 here do you want me to talk to? He said, I didn't get anything. The waitress came over, didn't get anything, paid for his food, didn't get anything. So he's like, okay. So he's walking out of the diner, and he's like, okay, Lord, I'm still looking well. As he was getting ready to leave, an elderly guy co- drove his truck in, and, and he's having trouble getting it in, so he kind of helped him, directed him, and he he got. He's the guy's like eighty-five, living alone. He's living alone, didn't didn't have any family, didn't have anybody, and he gets to talking to the guy, and he said just to, within a few minutes led him to the Lord. So cooperating with the anointing is going to take a is going to. We can't switch it off, if you if you will. You know, we got to be, and when we feel that leading, gotta gotta follow it. Gotta follow it. So go ahead and turn with me, if you would, over to Luke chapter 1. None of that was in my notes, by the way. God's been dealing with me about being a little less reliant on notes and more uh, willing to maybe just put a couple things down, not necessarily exactly what I'm going to say, you know. So again, you know, we last week we started talking about the anointing, something God calls the anointing. God will put an anointing on a person to accomplish a certain purpose. And if you weren't here uh, last week, you know, we talked about in the Old Testament you had the three main anointings: you had the kingly anointing, the priestly anointing, the prophetic anointing for those those three offices in the kingdom in the Old Testament. And there's really there, you know, you can. I really don't think that there's a limit to, to how many different types of anointing. There are because God is the one who anoints, and so when He is when He puts an anointing on something, He is doing it to 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 accomplish a certain purpose. And you know, like like for instance, I mean, you could, He can put like I've I've come across songs that have like there's songs that this this song has an anointing on it to to minister peace. And that's really just a tool, you know, that, that the, the person who's leading the song yields to using. You know, okay, Lord, this is the song I feel led to use. This is the song we'll use. And then you know, understand also that the person leading the song has an anointing on them as well to minister the song. Because um, there's times when you minister a song, but there's also times when we all just worship together. You know, that, that song that the Lord led me to, to play for you was really, I, that was to minister to the body. You know, Whereas when, you worship, when you're worshiping God, your focus is on Him, you are ministering to Him. And there are times when He ministers back to you. Um, but you could say that the anointing is Him extending His favor, His ability, His strength, His might, His power, His wisdom toward a person to bring success to that person in order to bring the purpose of the anointing to the goal. That makes sense. Think of it this way: If God has anointed you in a certain area, which He has, you have a standing opportunity to have good success in that area as you cooperate with the anointing He put in you. Um, Brother Hagen told a story about a lady he had he had met uh, a lady and her husband he had met, and I think I think it was in Texas, I, but it, but it may may not have been, but I, I'm pretty sure it was in Texas, but. He was at a church ministering, because God called him to itinerant ministry, so he's going around ministering in places, and, uh, you know, met this couple, and the lady felt called into the ministry, and you could say, in full-time ministry, you know, well, at that time and place, uh, there was really only two ways you could go, you know, or at least that's what people believed. If you're called into the ministry, you're either going to be a pastor or you're going to be an evangelist, and that, of course, is... Really limiting God, but that's what they thought they knew. So that's what. So she thought, okay, well, I feel calling into the ministry, so I must, I must have to be a pastor. So she took over a church, and he said. While well, later he came, he came to visit that church, and he says that the, the attendance had gone down. Everybody was just completely miserable, including her. He said, hey, "You, you, you, you know, you, you never seen a sadder creature in your life. You know, she was just so miserable." And so, um, you know, he ministered there, and she was like, well, I guess I'm not supposed to be a pastor, so I guess I should be an evangelist. So she, she did all the stuff to become an evangelist. That didn't work either. It just, nothing, nothing would work. You couldn't, couldn't get anything going right. And that was the last he had heard for a long time. He went, and then he went out to minister at a church in California a while later. And while he's there, he's talking to the pastor, and the pastor says, do you know sister so-and-so? And it's a random question, you know, that's, that's kind of random. Do you have, you know, and he says, you know I do. I met I've met her and her husband. He said, "Well, uh, he said, but I haven't heard anything about them for a long time. How are they doing?" He says, "Oh, she, she says he said they're doing great. She's doing great." He said she is the most uh, active person in the church. He said she brings at least one family into the church at least a week, at least one. He sometimes three families a week into the church. And uh, he said, "Really? Well, praise God. How you know how that how that happened? You know?" I said, "Well, she she found he said she found her call. She goes into." you know, the, the highways and the byways, as it were, into really obscure places and finds people. He, he said, for instance, he said she, like last week, he said she she went into a junkyard and found a lady there who was homeless living in a cardboard box with several kids. He said and she, he, he pulled her out of that and, and got her a place to live, got her a job, got them all cleaned up and was bringing them to church. Well, now that's her call. So once she found that and she started to cooperate with that anointing that she had, she had tremendous success, you know, and so, so successful that the pastor was like, we even tried to put her on staff, but she wouldn't, she wouldn't go on staff with us. He, she said that her husband makes good money and they're okay, you know, and uh, so, but Brother Higgin was like, and he, he made the comment at the end of the story. He said, you know, if, if all of us, if all of us believers searched out what God has called us to do and would cooperate with that anointing he has placed on us to do that, he said, you wouldn't be able to fill all the churches in the earth, or you wouldn't be able to, to have room because they be, they'd be filled, they'd be overflowing with people. And you know, I believe there's a lot of truth to that. 1 John 2.20, which was our text last week, says these words. You have an anointing from the Holy One. You have it. Not only has God given you a purpose, He has given you gifts and put an anointing in you because He wants you to have good success in that purpose. That's what the anointing is for. But the anointing must be cooperated with. Just like that lady had to learn to cooperate. Because, you know, she's not cooperating. She's like, okay, well, I need to be a pastor. She's not anointed to be a pastor. Oh, I must need to be an evangelist. She's not anointed to be an evangelist. She's anointed to be a, there's no, no formal title to it, but she's anointed to, to go out and, and find the least of these and to pick them up, dust them off, and bring them in so they can grow. So look with me here in Luke 1, starting in verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Notice it doesn't say sinless, it says blameless. There's a difference. Why are they blameless? Because even though they're imperfect people and they mess up every now and then, they were walking in the ordinances that God laid down and so God proclaimed them bl- blameless. It's the same when we, when we confess, I, Lord, I, I messed up. I, I, I'm saying that this, what, this thing that I did was wrong. And at that moment, he says, you're righteous because you've come into agreement with him and Jesus' blood cleanses you of all unrighteousness. So verse 7 Says, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Okay, now things have just got serious. You know, he's been, he's, he's doing, just, you know, going, working, doing, and then all of a sudden there's an angel of the Lord. This is what we would call a suddenly of God. You know, <laughs> that's the Christianese phrase that we say every now and then. So suddenly of God. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John so apparently he's been praying we didn't see that before he's been praying and asking god for a son for a child verse 14 and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the lord and shall ne- shall drink neither wine nor strong drink he will also be filled with the holy spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of israel To the Lord their God. You will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. I mean you ever been surprised when God answers your prayer? Or Oh, that could never happen. This is what you asked for. Verse nineteen, And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And I like how the Amplified, the Amplified Classic puts that. It says, now behold, you will be and will continue to be silent and not able to speak till the day when these things take place, because... You uh, have not believed what I told you, but my words are of a kind which will be fulfilled in the appointed and proper time. I love that. Gabriel's words were of a kind that could not help but be fulfilled. Why? That's just the kind of anointing that God put on those words for that purpose. If God puts an anointing on something that anointing lasts until its purpose is complete. Zechariah did not cooperate with the anointing. Gabriel said you didn't believe what I told you. Disbelief in what God said is being uncooperative with the anointing. You with me? And later on we'll, you know, not maybe not today, but lately we're, today we're kind of focusing on what not to do, you know, <laughs> how, to, how to not be uncooperative with the anointing. And later on we'll be talking about how to be cooperative with it, but not just yet. You know, we, so, so this, this here is maybe not the only way to be uncooperative with God's anointing, but it is, you know, definitely a, a very quick way to kind of dismantle what God is trying to do through you. You know, to, to have disbelief. Really, I mean, you know, I heard a teacher say one time, and I, and I strongly agree, is that all God wants is really for us to believe Him. He wants us to believe. When He says something, He wants us to say, okay, I believe you. The difficult part is walking it out, not to fall out of belief, because it's difficult as you go. But that's why you have an anointing, and that's why you hold fast the confession of your faith. Amen. So, we look at the, the miraculous things that Jesus did in the earth, and yet He said, My words are not my own, but my Father's who sent me. So, if you want to learn to cooperate with the anointing God has put on your life, begin to speak God's words every day. Aren't you glad that you have eyeballs in the Bible? You have God's words, so you can speak His words anytime you want to in any situation. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Imagine how much life you'll have if you make God's words your words. Jesus told us in John 15, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Why? Because God wants you to have good success. It's why he has anointed you. Acts 10.38 said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Notice, and see, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit here because we're going to look at another piece of this puzzle. Notice how he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power but that wasn't enough in and of itself. It said he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. There are many people out there who want the anointing and the power, but they aren't too enthusiastic about God being with them. Well, you know, we still have flesh, so when we get close to God, sometimes He's like, I need you to adjust this little area of your life. And it's like, I don't like to be told that. Let's turn over to the first chapter of Romans. Romans. Are you all okay today? (laughs) Romans chapter 1. Seems like people, you know, in general, not everybody, but people want God to accept them from afar and not be too involved. I just want to make sure I'm good with you, God, but I'm going to be over here doing this thing, and you can be over there doing that thing. But God can't help but want to be involved in the tiniest details of our lives. The Word talks about that in Psalms. God delights in, the, in the, the, the minutest details of our lives. And it says that His thoughts toward us are like the sand on the seashore. And so when people reject Him, it forces His hand. If he, and, now, now, and think about this. Because we, we talk about, uh, you know, because p- people love to ask, well, how come God allows evil to endure in the world? How come bad things happen to good people? It's a valid question, it is. But think of, it, think of it this way. This is a slightly different take on it. If, if he were to allow uh, evil to endure in the world forever, then there would never be opportunity for peace and rest for the people who did choose him. So this is this is why he has set a day of judgment, okay? It gives people time because he has set a date. We don't know what the date is. If we knew what the date was, then people would be like, oh, I've got plenty of time, right? So, so when, he, when he sets this date and he tells people the time is near, that's that constant call going out in the world. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so that, and you know, the word does not return to him void. So there's, there's, this, there's this appointed time where God has said, okay, I will set everything right at a certain date. And until then, People are free to choose me. You know, his, 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 we tend to complicate things. People are like, well, what about this problem? What about that problem? What about the whales? And what about the polar ice caps? And what about all this and that? But, so, but God just simply says, choose me. If you choose me, you'll have life. Without me, there's only death. Look at what it, here, it says here in Romans 1.16. And this is that this is a like a this passage is a comparison, you know, where you, you have one extreme and the other. So verse sixteen says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and Christ, by the way, means anointed, the anointed one, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So it's kind of wordy here, but notice there are two things revealed on judgment day. God's righteousness and God's wrath. Verse 17 said, for the righteousness of God is revealed. And then verse 18 says, for the wrath of God is revealed. His righteousness is revealed to those who believe. His wrath is revealed to those who refuse to believe. We all know this. And it's interesting because it says, because they refuse to believe. How do we know they're refusing? Because it says, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That word suppress means to hold down. In other words, they hear God's truth and they're like, mm, "Don't really like that." So we're just going to pretend that it's not really there. They're suppressing it. And verse nineteen tells us, "Okay, now we we we, we saw why His righteousness is revealed. Now we'll see why His wrath is revealed." Verse nineteen it says, "Because that, or excuse me, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. Manifest is another word that means revealed." What may be known of God is revealed in mankind. And then that next sentence says, For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. This breaks God's heart, that people choose things other than him. Turn with me to Isaiah 55, where we started talking about this last week. How are we all doing with this? If your heart's breaking, that's okay. God's heart's broken about this too, but there's also joy. God's able to impart joy as well. Verse 55, right, not verse 55, uh, chapter 55. Look down with me at verse 6. Is it last week we read 1 through 5? Now we're going to start in 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So again, we see that time span. Okay, seek him while He may be found. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord And he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." If you remember last week when we started this chapter, we saw God send out an open, open invitation to come to him. Ho, all you who thirst, come to the waters. Same invitation Jesus gave. Anyone who thirsts, let him come to me. Okay, so there's that open invitation from God. But the challenge that we face as followers of Christ, this is our challenge now because we're, we've all answered that call here. We've all come to the waters. And we saw last week that that you get all this blessing. God blesses you abundantly when you come to the waters. But then right after that, there's that call to go out into all the earth and be witnesses. It's because the the commission is directly tied to the salvation part. So uh, the challenge that we face as followers of Christ, and this is just kind of reiterating what we just read about in Romans and, and here in Isaiah, is that we are to be witnesses to to a world full of people who think they don't need God. Well, the anointing can wake them up to that, that they need God. It can. Verse 7 said, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Because God's ways are higher, and God's thoughts are higher. But what does this, you know, again, what does this have to do with the anointing in your life, Everything. Because even though Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and went about performing miracles, he wouldn't have been able to do that if God wasn't with him. Seek the Lord while he may be found, while he is near. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Look back up to verse 5. And this is where we see that commission again. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God. Not because of the anointing, in part because of the anointing, but you'll, you, and you'll see that in a second, because of the Lord your God. Why are they running to you? Because of the Lord your God, who's with you, and the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. Now, and we mentioned it last week, I'll mention it again, won't go into too, de- too much depth on it, but God's glory is the expression of His excellence in the earth. You know, we've said that many times. Any, t- anything, any t- time that God does something in the earth that people can experience or see or hear or uh, interact with in some way, they are experiencing God's glory. And then, you know, that's that, outer, that's that outermost layer. It's just every, there's many things that come under, under the, the umbrella, if you will, of God's glory because it's the expression of His excellence. If He heals somebody, that, that expresses His excellence. If he uh, pulls somebody out of debt completely, he's expressing his excellence. But really, those are two different things. You know, I mean, a gift of healing is different than, than God doing something financial for somebody. But they, all, they both fall under his glory. And then under, underneath that layer or, or be, beyond that layer, then you have his grace, which is, not, is getting good things that you don't deserve, right? Right? So that falls under his glory. And then the anointing comes underneath his grace because his grace is when he is getting good things we don't deserve. It's to have a gift that I can operate in. Playing guitar. I have a natural ability to play it. I've worked at it, but I also have a natural ability to play it. That was a gift from God, and I didn't deserve it. But then I also am anointed to play it too. You see? So his anointing falls under grace and glory. His glory, his grace, the anointing. And you, could, you, could, you, could, you can go through and see what Jesus did, and you can say, okay, that falls under here, that falls under there, that falls under here. Because God operates in principles, not on formulas. So um, here it's interesting. you know, you <laughs> He says that they will run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Uh, He has glorified you, but then also that anointing He has in your life that He has placed there falls under that. So people will be drawn to you because of the anointing on your life. Have you ever had a hard time in your life, or not a hard time, excuse me, a, a, a time in your life when you were closer to God than at other times? We've all experienced that. But during that time, did you notice that people seemed to be drawn to you? This verse says it's because of the Lord your God. They are drawn to his presence in you. Somehow they can pick up on it. it doesn't, they're not always comfortable about it. And when they come to you and you tell them what Jesus said to say to you, they don't always like it. But they were still drawn in the first place. God doesn't override their free will. So you know they may not like what you have to say, but if what you have to say is out of the Bible, then you did your part. You did what you were told. And so then, once they've been drawn to you, that anointing that God has put into you now has opportunity to do something for that individual where they will experience God's power in their life. As it says in the Old Testament, taste and see the Lord is good. You're the salt of the earth. The salt loses its flavor. What good is it for? So the the idea then being that people are drawn to you and then they can taste and see the Lord is good, assuming that you're salty. Stay salty. Okay. So this anointing needs to be cooperated with. In that moment, let God's words be your words. Believe that God will be faithful to hold up his end when you step out in faith. I know we've been really talking, uh, we've been spending a lot of time talking about the evangelistic side of this, but that's the season we're in. If God's getting ready to do something in this nation, we're all going to have to do our part. Talk to people who need to be talked to. So then, when you step out of the boat, because yeah, that's that's really God was talking to me about this the last week. That's really uncomfortable and scary to to actually say, okay, now I'm going to I'm going to follow this leading that the Holy Spirit's telling me to, to do when talking to this person. That's scary because you don't know how they're going to react. It really is like stepping out of the boat, like Peter stepping out of the boat and going, "Okay, I'm standing on water now. This is weird. I got to trust God. He had to trust God completely, right? So you got to trust God when you step out in faith. And you know, I'll just give an example here. This, you know, and I I I probably experienced this umpteen times. You know, if, if I say I feel led to offer prayer to someone who needs healing in their body. I am not to doubt that something will happen when I pray. If I lay my hand on the person's shoulder and this thought pops into my head that nothing's going to happen when I pray, that person's not going to receive, that I shouldn't have tried this without reading the Bible more. Y'all been there? This thought's like, you're not spiritual enough to be doing this. (laughs) Right? If I yield any of those thoughts, I'm now in disbelief. And I'm now guilty of being uncooperative with the anointing that God has placed in my life. Because Jesus said that these signs will follow those who, what? Believe. They will lay hands on the sick and the the sick will recover. Not not instantaneous, sometimes, yes, but not, not always. What we can believe for when we lay hands on the sick is that they will recover. Sometimes it's miraculous, sometimes it's instantaneous, sometimes it's not. But then also on the other side, I pray the prayer of faith, I, I can't affect the other person's faith. If I, if I lay hands on them in faith and I'm like, I believe that God's healing power is being ministered to them, if they don't receive that, then they won't be healed. Because they're in disbelief. But if I cancel it out before it even gets to them, now it's on me. You see what I'm saying? Well then, if that sign is to follow those who believe, that means that if I get over into disbelief, I'm disqualified from the promise. Okay. Lord, help us to think your thoughts and walk in your ways. I told you before about a time when I was working as a janitor at a gym. I was the night janitor, so it was usually pretty quiet. I did not like leaving the house in the middle of the night. Tammy's sleeping, and I'm like, got to get up and go to work. You know, she's sleeping, the kids are sleeping, and I'm like, I've got my coffee and I'm driving to work. It's the dead of night, you know. Now, the one nice thing about it was that it was quiet. So I had time I could spend with the Lord. But this one night, and, you know, we get set in our ways. It's like, I just, I I like the quiet. Well, this one night, this guy comes in. I'd never seen him there before. And I knew the moment I looked at him that he was going to strike up a conversation with me. I could just tell. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to talk to this guy. I really, I don't want to talk to this guy. Because I could tell by looking at it that he needed Jesus. At least I believe that I'm like this guy needs Jesus. And I did not like I, I did not like the idea of in that moment deviating from what I was what I had trained myself to do, which was sit here and polish this sink. But now I gotta I didn't like didn't like it. I'm gonna, I gotta you mean I gotta reach deep down inside and I gotta I gotta search my heart to minister to this guy. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Well um you remember last week we were talking about David God never asked David if he wanted to be king he just anointed him to be king God answered the call it's the same with us and this guy in this gym he was drawn to God's presence that he could sense in me so he struck up a conversation with me like I knew he would and the words he was speaking confirmed pretty quickly to me that yes he does need Jesus because all he, could, all he would talk about is money all he cared about was money, He loved money And I'm not judging the man. I'm like, I'm not going to judge you, you know. But uh, he asked me during the course of the conversation how much I made as a janitor because all he cares about is money. So I told him, you know, and it wasn't very much. And he asked me, how could you be happy with such a small amount? How could you be happy with that? And there was an uncomfortable silence while I searched my heart for the answer. He's just staring at me and I'm like, Because I'm waiting to see what, because I didn't have an answer. You know, because it's true that the world, the world assigns importance to certain careers. The world will tell you that a person who is a doctor is important just because they're a doctor. Or the world will tell you that a job that doesn't make very much or requires little education is not an important job. Therefore, the person who works that job must not be important, or at least they're not as important as a doctor. Right? But that's not how it works in God's kingdom. And I knew that, but the answer that God gave me to tell this guy helped me to know it much better. You know, you're ministering to people, God will help you while you're ministering to people, too. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Praise God. And so the guy asked me, how can you be happy with only making such and such an hour? And after that uncomfortable silence, the answer that God gave me was, because I choose to be. Very simple. What was God's answer, not mine. I'm not smart enough. No, I'm not smart enough. But those words carried an anointing, even though they were just very simple. I could feel the anointing on him, and he could feel it. It completely threw him. And he goes, I mean, you could see, like, I mean, now the gears are turning. And the next words that God gave me were, because happiness is a choice. And when I spoke those words, they were anointed too. And then the guy was completely stunned. And it was the first time he'd stopped talking since I saw him. And the next words that God gave me to say were just like faith is a choice. And at that point, I stopped talking because I could tell the Holy Spirit was leading this conversation in a direction where he wanted me to talk to him about Jesus. And I I gave in to fear, and I stopped cooperating with the anointing, which completely cut off the flow of the conversation. Because God didn't give me any more to say. Because I wouldn't say what he gave me to say. And after this guy left, I felt so defeated. I I, I hung my head. I was so ashamed. And I confessed to God how I let him down. And he forgave me. It says right here in Isaiah, God will have mercy. He will abundantly pardon. (laughs) But I told you that story to give you an example of God's anointing from my own experience. It's not difficult to operate in the anointing that God gave you. It's not difficult. It just takes following that leading and then yielding to the Holy Spirit as far as He'll take you. And, of course, that requires overcoming the flesh. That's the tough part, though. And you can do that. You can do that because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Again, that word Christ means anointed. You can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens you? Because he's the anointed one. So then he anoints you. The Holy Spirit will anoint you. So don't be afraid to begin to step into the things that God has called you to do because he has anointed you to do them and to win people over to Jesus while you do them. And don't be discouraged if you make mistakes in the direction you take. Just back up and seek the Lord. Okay, which word? I miss it. Okay, this way. Okay. Just got to get in the habit of saying no to the flesh more, right? Amen. Was this helpful to you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your anointing. And we don't, we don't uh, elevate the anointing to a higher place than it should be. We do that by remembering that you are with us. Yeah, you've anointed us, but you are with us. And so, Father, we thank you because you are the one who anoints us. You are the one who enables us, who gives us gifts and talents, who gives us opportunity in the earth. You don't withhold any good thing from your people. And so, Lord, once again, we lift up this nation, we lift up this community around us where you've called us to work. And we ask that you give us opportunity. We ask, Lord, that you prepare the hearts of the people who you will lead us to. And, and that there be several witnesses in their life before we get there. So that they will say that all familiar phrase. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because this person over here said the same thing. So I thank you, Lord, for your opportunity. I thank you for your divine appointments, as we call them. And I ask you to bless everyone here. And that you help them to stir up that gift that's in them. And along with it, the anointing that's in their life. And I thank you, Father, and I praise you. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Praise God. If you all need prayer or anything, just don't hesitate. Oh, before we go, do we still have that uh, up, Bill, or did you cut it off yet? Okay, that's fine. We'll just send out an email. Uh, Next week, I have a guest speaker coming. Uh, Carlton Harris, who's-